2: Oh, what a game against the Hawks! That is what offensive basketball is all about. Track meet, light your hair on fire, kind of ordeal, deal, buddy. We're gonna break it all down. Hit us with the beats. Yeah, get on those running shoes,
3: friends, because we're going into sprint mode here. This was was wire to wire open basketball. Uh, we we learned some things, I think, about the rotation and who can we can expect to be filling in for Spencer Dinwiddie, and and then we also got that dose of a reminder of what it is to have KD and Kyrie. It doesn't matter what it looks like early. It's how you close things out late. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal game all the way around. And there's so much more to go into.
2: Oh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through it all. We'll go through the rotations. We'll go through some of the defensive struggles. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, maybe some other things that we think are gonna happen here in terms of lineups. And then obviously we kind of talk about what it means when you have just two of the all-time great scorers on your team when you're closing a game because that was You know, in the end, that's kind of what told the story of this game. This is a fun one to talk about. We're really excited to get into it. But first, the theme, music.
4: You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome back to the Lockdown Nets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Doug Norrie, owner and operator, at DFSR.com, where I got you covered for all of your betting and DFS needs for NBA, NFL, as well as that season continues to chug along. And over there is Adam Armbrecht. He's the voice of the Brooklyn Nets on Sportscaster, where he's giving you a bunch of NBA analysis as well. Buddy, how are we doing? feeling
3: real good friend as we uh we got wet and wild fast and furious in this exciting game first of two to close out the new year and kick off the 2021
2: year as well with the atlanta hawks man it was a big big w as we like to say oh baby this game would have lit your hair on fire man it was a tra- track meet would you know that it's like a usain bolt track meet this game was it was unbelievable <laughs> we're gonna get through everything in this game you know, starting lineups the where the Nets kind of struggled, how they ultimately closed it out. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you know that the Nets did take down the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday evening in a game like at least 145 to 141. No, this game did not go into triple overtime. That was the regular. That was the regulation <laughs> score of the game. Absolutely Unbelievable um in terms barely of this, crested that 239 and a half mark that they were talking about for the total <laughs> i mean this is what happens at all-star games right like this is like the when the all-star game when they've just done a gentleman's handshake to not play defense till the fourth quarter or something like that it's it was I, the, the the pace of it was absolutely crazy um the just you know just the amount of volume three-point shooting uh these are just like high level thoughts here but um i did have a, a moment during the game where my wife decided to sit down there and it's like one of the most exciting games of the year in terms of just like just all out outpouring of scoring my wife we talked about this before never ever watches basketball chooses this game to sit down and start asking me who's that guy who's i don't know why this was the night i'm just like like, i I try to do it because i love my wife and and she's a she's a great sport about this stuff but i'm like you know could we've done this i don't know some other night where it's not Not the game where every single possession, you just can't take your eyes off the screen. And now I'm explaining how tall Kevin Durant is and, you know, who who this guy is. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. uh, They're all good. They're all fantastic players. That's all you need to know. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh, he's skinny. That was one of her. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Wow. He's skinny. Okay. so so, all um, tall, huh? Yeah. Let's give some opening thoughts here. Uh, Last podcast, we talked about speculating on what the starting lineup would be. Um, you know, we were, I guess we weren't surprised, right? TLC gets the start in, in place of Spencer, uh, anything to follow up with on that before we get into the rest of the game, uh, in terms of that and how they just ran some of these just early general rotations.
3: Yeah, no, I think it made sense, right? We, we said, we thought TLC would get the nod. He did get that. And and really our, our thinking was it keeps Karis Levert in the role that you've come into the season with. So it required as little adjustment as far as, as who was going to play where and when, And and then you I think it helped create some more balance and get guys back into their comfort zones in a lot of ways. And maybe that Charlotte game, uh, sorry, the Memphis game, excuse me, was a was a bad one to look at as far as what we were getting or not getting out of some of these role players behind the stars. This one felt like the balance you expect to see when Katie and Kyrie are both on the court.
2: Yeah, Steve Nash had come out also early in, uh, in the pregame and said that he um, this was going to be a game where they probably started moving away from, or excuse me, where they started um, mixing and matchings. It was, was the word he used. Um, you know, in NBA parlance, you would call it staggering, where they were just going to. Make sure that KD and Kyrie didn't sh- weren't on the up until this point. They basically shared the court one for one uh, right, through the first four. Twenty two they- seconds. Of, yeah, of it was Kyrie very inten- it was KD. very intentional. Right, it was very intentional that it was they they basically came they basically came off the court together uh, and came back on together. But this game, he had said going into the game that that was not going to you know probably not going to be the case, and it clearly wasn't. They uh, had much more t- time on the court, sort of well, on their own. We'll say <laughs> I mean, there are four other guys that shared the court with them during those times, but uh, that was the first kind of big shift these are the first two big shifts right we see TLC coming and start uh, it doesn't do much that we kind of knew that was going to be the case too that when you share the court with these guys you're not going to be required to do much except for be ready to shoot if you're open uh, and play D I want to talk about TLC when it comes to that uh, some late game stuff we'll get to that maybe you know later in the show but um, overall did you like what you saw in terms of just These these types of rotations like you, uh, it really feels like this is what we're going to see. And we kind of always knew this was going to be the case going forward, that it's just not going to make a lot of sense, even in the best of times to overlap these guys minutes.
3: Yeah. And it makes sense too. not in big picture. Yes. But specifically, as we talked about, too, right, relatively deep team that you're facing in the Atlanta Hawks have a lot of perimeter shooters. So the most logical thing is to spread out your two best players a little bit here so that you can balance that second unit and, and create a level of evenness in terms of what the defense for Atlanta was going to have to deal with. And Allison, we all know there wasn't a ton of defense in that regard, but both units benches for both squads here played big roles in this game. So it was important That you were still able to keep, I think it's a Kyrie stays in there a little bit longer and then Kevin Durant comes back in and they start to blend these together a little bit. And that just allowed to have scoring on the floor. And ironically, even when Kyrie was struggling early in this, right, still able to keep consistency and balance uh, throughout both units. So it, it makes sense. And I expect to see more of this. I'll just be curious if they continue to tweak who plays with who on the floor because you'll start to see more of that balance play out for Steve Nash and understanding who complements Kevin Durant better and who's best suited to
2: play with Kyrie Irving. Yeah and this is what's going to happen when you have two superstars. This was a um, sort of a criticism of what happened with Kevin Durant when he was an OKC was that they rarely uh, they, they didn't struggle excuse me they didn't stagger he and Westbrook as much as they maybe should have during those years uh, and just it didn't allow for Um, sort of like more of a natural rhythm of when you have two high volume guys. So it's good to see that this is going to be the case going forward. Uh, The the first quarter was something of a struggle for those two guys. Joe Harris kept them kind of afloat there (laughs) to begin with. They both really, they both really, really struggled coming out of the gate in terms of shooting Kyrie basically struggled to the fourth. We'll get to that. We'll get to that a little bit later here as well in the podcast, but um, the first quarter was a struggle for both. And, I think what were they like one point, like one for 10 or so? I hadn't, I thought I had it. It was even down. less than,
3: yeah, it may have been even closer to 1 of, one of 15 to start the game there. Cause I think, I think Durant started maybe 0 of 6, but Kyrie started oh of 7 or 8 or one of 7 or 8 from the field. But yeah, they, and both of them struggled. And when you closed out the first quarter with a combined 79 points between these two teams, you were still within shouting distance in a couple of possessions. So in spite of that, the Nets were still right in. It, and you said Joe Harris played a big role in it. And I think, as we started to look at it, they they kept Trey Young off of Kyrie Irving and put him on Joe Harris. Yep. Looked like they used length against Kyrie Irving defensively, but then that also allowed Joe Harris to have
2: some really nice looks early in this game. And that ended up being cross-matching Harris on Trey a bunch of times on the defensive end to the point where I was like, Whoa, is this the plan? Because I think I threw out a tweet at this at some point saying... Was the plan to just have Joe Harris on on Trey early, but it ended up mostly cross-matching stuff in transition because they just that was they were trying to hide Trey Young a little bit because uh, Trey Young's for his, as overwhelmingly amazing as he is on offense, he is kind of a total zero on defense. So they tried to they but the Nets took advantage of that right because they ran Harris off a bunch of screens. He had really great wide open looks. He clearly has a green light from kind of anywhere. He Hit one of the longer threes that he's hit um, this season, sort of later in the game, but. That was definitely the key to the first quarter was when you have these two superstars really struggling and all their shots were short. Um, they were all just, kind of, you know, kind of all front rimming to the point, kind of the stuff you see when either you're thinking about it too much or you're tired. So I don't really know what the, it's just probably just bad luck, but um, in general, yeah, the, the the first quarter from an offensive standpoint definitely felt like Joe Harris was, Joe Harris was kind of like carrying the water <laughs> until they could, <laughs> until everyone, until everyone could get situated. Yeah,
3: you better believe it, man. And there's a specific reason why it's important to bring up Joe Harris as we remind everybody about BetOnline.ag. Are you ready to get into some college football action as they head towards their playoffs? Sure you are. The NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture. Going to get kind of crystallized in this upcoming weekend here. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's BetOnline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% Welcome bonus. And I bring up this game because if you were paying attention. I threw it out for the fans. Make some free money on yours truly. Joe Harris was plus six hundred to hit five or more three pointers, and the Nets to win in this one. They did both of those things. So hopefully, you're out there making money uh, on my behalf because that's what I care about. Is the people don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts.
0: No matter what moves you made last year. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund, guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
2: Look, betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. Kind of like Adam said before the break, but especially... If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Look, It just makes the game more fun to watch. you got to listen to these guys, you get the bets in, and then you're away. You go, you subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so this game we talked about the first quarter and how Joe Harris kind of keeps them afloat. The reason he was he was so crucial, uh, and look, they, and Katie kind of started to get warmed up as the quarter rolled along and as it got into the second quarter. But the reason it was so crucial is because the Hawks basically just had an, a layup line, an open three point contest against the, <laughs> the Nets in this game. It's kind of frankly a miracle they won. I, it's a testament to the Nets' own firepower that. The Hawks shot 40% from three, also had 17 offensive rebounds, and lost the game. Like, that is pretty <laughs> hard to do. <laughs> That's, it's really only if you are, you know, facing a team that actually ended up shooting 46% from three in their own right. But defensively, this was a real struggle for the Nets. Uh, we were a little concerned about the spacing that the, 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 the Hawks would bring. We're definitely concerned about them not taking their foot off the gas when it got to the second unit. I think a lot of that basically bore itself out. Um, you know, you you bring in a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich off the bench. The guy just shoots 7 for 14 and 6 for 11 from 3. None of them look difficult, by the way. (laughs) Like, they they were just kind of all rhythm 3s. And then you get guys like Hunter and Reddish who are also bombing away. And, I mean, look, frankly, the, the Trey Young shot over four from three. I didn't even realize that, actually. I'm looking at this box. I, uh, people that listen to this podcast, well, oh, really, I'm going to say, you can say this after a while. I just want to make one point. I, like, almost never look at the box scores during the during while I'm watching the games. I, I just feel like it's a waste of time, frankly. <laughs> like, I just, usually, I, I don't know. It's rather, I'll have all the time in the world to look at the, the, the thing after the game. Um, so, actually, I didn't even realize that he didn't hit a three. But uh, go ahead, and then we can talk a little bit about the defensive struggles here.
3: No, because it's, it's interesting when you bring up about uh, Young only having four attempts from beyond the arc. Now, he goes 8 of 18 from the field overall, 14 of 16 at the line, so he gets to the stripe a lot. But I think this is kind of the give and the take of when you know you have this much firepower coming at you, I think if you're able to surrender, quote-unquote, the paint area to, to Trey Young, you'd much rather have that than have him bombing it from deep around the court as well. And I'll even throw in the extra caveat, you mentioned the 17 offensive rebounds, that, out-rebounded the Nets on nine to nine on the offensive end for themselves. And the tricky part there was not only were they getting easy access to the lanes, but even when you were having someone that didn't quite rattle home for you or some of the perimeter shots, it was just such a heavy-handed second-chance opportunities for Atlanta that made you feel like, boy, if you're going to keep surrendering these, and especially early while Kyrie is struggling... You just wondered, are you going to keep being able to go to this Joe Harris well, or who's going to step up around the floor? And the last piece on the perimeter shooting, I'll say, for the net side of it, in Kyrie's struggles, remember, this is a team, to your point, they went 19 of 41, 46% from beyond the arc, with Kyrie shooting 3 of 11. So right. the other night we were talking about uh, the the Shamit and Torian Prince piece and what where the numbers were in spite of them not being able to sink a single one in this game it's everybody else really helping to hold that tide for for the better part of three and a half quarters and then we get into
2: and we'll get into a little bit later what that fourth quarter really ultimately looked like so we saw the problem yeah right I totally agree with all that and like how they're able to just get their shooting in their own right but we saw for the for basically the entire game it really never let up was. The reason Trey Young only shot four three pointers in this game was because he was just getting into the lane. He got he got to the line sixteen times. So let's start there. He was he was in the lane at will, um, and they just ran. Basically, a lot of you should have just recognized it because they ran this they ran this high screen dive over <laughs> and over and over and over again. Um, it works almost every single time. DeAndre Jordan had no chance. This is why he only played 15 minutes in the game where he was complete dust, um, totally worthless. Yeah. It, this is not the matchup for him. The second capella came off the court, you can't play DeAndre a single minute more. We talked about this by the way. kudos we talked about this last podcast. We said this is this is going to be a struggle for him. If they bring Capella off the court, DeAndre cannot stay in the game. so um, and that board itself off. even when Capella was in the in the game and Trey got worked his way down in. There was just nothing happening, so I'm not gonna make this about a DeAndre Jordan thing. It was it kind of it was on this was on everybody and the spacing. You could see it in five out spacing. If you don't know what five out, you know motion spacing is, it's when basically all five shooters, all five offensive players start outside the three point line. They're all threats, so you 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 can't kind of you you can't um, sag off any of these shooters and even John Collins at any point. And when you do, they'll just either take a wide open three or. If you come up, you come up and you know get up on top of them. We saw what happened tonight was you're just going to backdoor yourself to death, and they're just going to be the easiest ever points at the rim, and that was really the case. It was really only because they were able to keep pace on the offensive end. They had really kind of no chance defensively against this for long, long stretches. Did you notice the same thing? It was kind of it was glaringly obvious.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and there's, a, there's a couple of things as far as it goes. One Gallinari, actually, he, he tweaks himself there early in this one, so he doesn't return to the game. And, you know, maybe inconsequential, relatively speaking, but he does have size, can at the perimeter shot. So it would have just been one more player that the Nets were going to struggle to deal
2: with on yeah, the defensive end. Yeah, it was basically those, yeah. were, those went to Solomon Hill. And, you, you, yeah. you know, like those minutes basically pretty much went from Gallinari to Solomon Hill, and that's a huge, that's a pretty big downgrade, even though Hill played well. So um, maybe that's what kind of saves them in the end too. Is that 17 minutes of that instead of 20 from Gallo is probably probably where you want to be. And and Hill did his part; he went three for five. But anyway, so you keep going. Yeah, no, but and so the the, the couple of pieces were,
3: as you said, the the tran- transition piece and identifying where the shooters are and who's supposed to be picking up who because there's a handful of times I mentioned I think before we got going here that by the end of this game Joe Harris looks like he's about to pass out on the court mm-hmm. because he does so much work on the on the offensive end running trying to get himself openings and then defensively he really was doing everything he could to try to close out everybody really you know it wasn't for lack of effort but there was a handful of times it's not just about on the interior and some of those offensive rebounds or some of those very easy looks, that's kind of glaring. The secondary piece though, is there was a lot of conversations and it wasn't, it wasn't infighting. It was just kind of, Hey, we haven't all played together more than four games. Mm-hmm. Of our fourth game here, where were you supposed to be? Who was supposed to be stepping out there? Because there was a number of, of three point beyond the arc shots, especially in transition, where underneath the basket you were seeing some combination of even Joe Harris with Kevin Durant and a little bit of Jared Allen there, or it's going to be Karis LeVert. You know, guys kind of sagging into the paint, and because you have all those quality shooters for Atlanta, as they push that ball around the perimeter, 11 assists for Trey Young as well in this. So not taking three-point shots, but getting in the lane and also finding his shooters. So it it, it seems like communication, and you go back to last year, you can even think about it. Different guys, obviously, uh, on this roster in some positions, but... Over the course of the year, they seem to get better and better defensively. I expect the same thing for the Nets in that regard. The size is always going to be the problem for them. But there's clearly still an understanding about identifying who you're picking up in transition. That's going to be a learning curve. It's going to take, you know, the first 10, 15 games before you really start to see that rhythm and then live with whatever those results may be.
2: Yeah, look, this team came in, the, the, uh, the Hawks, that is, this team came in as, I believe, yeah, they were second to the to the Bucks because they kind of they've been swapping back and forth here. They were second to the Bucks, uh, in offense going into this game. Bucks kind of struggled um, on Wednesday, so I think after the 141, Atlanta will probably end up leapfrogging them back and be the best offensive uh, offense in basketball uh, again. Some of these numbers are thrown off because Brooklyn played the game without Katie and Kyrie, so that kind of gets you know thrown in, lumped in there, and it's just gonna duck everyone's rating down, whereas Atlanta's played mostly full strength. And actually, Milwaukee, frankly, has played mostly full strength this season as well. So this is, it's not a disaster to have what's arguably now, okay, let's just say all things being equal when everyone's was on the court, a top five offense in basketball, set, top mm-hmm. seven when it's all said and done. Um, maybe I have to go down a little further, you know, when, because, you know, in the playoffs and stuff, that, that doesn't translate as well. But you get what I'm saying. It's not, it's not the end of the world to allow this team to put up a lot of points. I will say, their lack of being able to even late kind of pivot away from figure figure it out, <laughs> sort of, was yeah. sort of a problem. Because I will say that like for all for the fact that the Nets won this game, the Nets shots were typically more difficult than the Hawks were, I think. Like by and by and large. Like I I it did seem like the Hawks attempts, you know, maybe I will go back and watch it and I see something different. But it did feel like their there a lot of their a lot of their baskets were of the very easy quality, whereas the, whereas I think the Nets, you know, the Nets kind of had uh, to work for it a little more. Would you say that? Because I just you know just watching the game, not even really scoreboard watching, just seeing sort of how the offenses were working, I, I felt like just the net the, the the Hawks baskets they were just easy. I, I They yeah. just they did, there was almost there was times where there was almost no resistance at all to what was happening on the offensive end. Yeah, Collins
3: is a great example of that. Twelve of twenty, he gets a couple of three three balls in there as well. But he just it just seemed like like you said. I mean, you know, even we highlight the DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen piece a little bit. But you know, and Allen isn't he's active, he's there. But it just seemed like the access to the lane, the the close proximity to the rim on a lot of these shots were just very fluid early in the shot clock opportunities as well, where, to your point, the Nets were really, they were working their offense. They were trying to create the open looks and opportunities for their guys, and even when they were getting them, there, there were a handful of times. The Hawks, it's hard to point out defense in a, def- in, a, in a game like this, but there were times where they were congesting the lane. They were getting in between some of the passes. They were having some fumbles, some loose balls, some yep. tips out of bounds, etc. So you, you saw that from Atlanta. This was not a game where you saw a lot of that for the Nets on defense.
2: Yeah, totally agree. And after the break, we are going to get into what turned out to be a really exciting fourth quarter where uh, basically superstars were on display. We'll be back right after this.
4: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar.
0: How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly... Everything just makes sense. Go
4: to grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
2: All right. When you need fantasy basketball advice, you have to go to a reliable source. And more people trust Josh Lloyd, host of the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast, than any other fantasy basketball podcast out there. Look, this guy is the absolute best. He's giving it to you every single day, breaking down the action, what's going to be happening that day, what to look out for, waiver wire ads, um, you know who you should be adding, who you should be dropping in season-long league strategies. Should be you should be taking. We're, I'm playing him this week in our Locked On uh, Podcast Network League. I'm beating him right now, so I'm coming for you, Josh. But uh, I don't know. I hope it holds up because this guy's an absolute expert. If you want to get in on that action, you have to go and listen to Locked On Fantasy Basketball wherever you get podcasts. Before we talk about the fourth quarter, here I do. We do have to say that you know you mentioned the Torian Prince and Shamit. O oh, for you know infinity or whatever they were last game <laughs> yes. from three, the, the reason why basketball is such a great sport and why you never should just make too much out of a single game, is that these guys just go back out there to, on uh, on Wednesday, and just completely redeemed. It was it was I mean it couldn't have been any more opposite. They they shot ten for ten combined. They won four for four from three. They combined for twenty six points. We they're plus seven and plus eleven respectively, and. It's just it, it is funny how things quiet down pretty quick when it comes to when it comes to what should happen with a player after a given game. So I don't know. Anything else to add there on these two guys? I just want, you gotta you gotta nod to him. We went through the whole first, you know, twenty something minutes without mentioning, you know, we mentioned Joe Harris keeping him in the game. I mean, Torian Prince and Landry Shaman kept these guys in the game too by just being absolutely perfect from the field.
3: Yeah, and I and I think that this is this is more where you want to see them, right? I mean, obviously, you want to see them knocking down, going, going perfect. You want to the see field. them never missing a shot. I'll, <laughs> right? I'll,
2: I'll sign up for never missing a yeah. shot. I think. So for the rest ideally, of the, the rest of the I
3: prefer I prefer if these guys never miss shots. But also, you know, the other night when we said it, it's like they were combined as almost sixteen attempts from beyond the arc. That's probably too much for them. Now, it's in a game when you don't have your stars there, so you understand that piece of it. But this is really where you want that sweet spot, as you said, both five for five, both for two for two from beyond the arc. And, you know, Shamit got to the line a couple of times as well. I thought that they they did the right thing in terms of spacing the floor and creating opportunities for the other guys. And as we get into this fourth quarter, really, Torian Prince actually played a very important role in this one because when the looks came, he knocked them down. And as we know, in a game that you win by four, those shots were crucial while we were watching another player that we maybe expected to be a little bit hotter from the start really start to cook there uh, in, in the most important point of the
2: game. They go into the fourth quarter. Uh, they are trailing, but it's close. So they're trailing by two going into the fourth quarter. And Kyrie has really struggled up to this point, and he just everything's been off. Even I think, and some, even the rhythm stuff, like he was off from the field and he was also like he had a lot of assists that just sort of didn't go down and i, I don't know if that, all that stuff all the time affects you i don't think it affects a guy like kyrie but it was just sort of sort of endemic with what was happening with him on the offensive end was not only were his shots not going down but he had a bunch of really good looks uh for, for that he that he kind of set other guys up for that also didn't go down and so yeah. sort of like nothing was working uh, on the offensive end kevin durant obviously he, his line is was magnificent but in the fourth quarter Kyrie just showed you why you need these guys in games when you're trying to close. Because for all the struggles that he that that he the first three quarters, you know, it kind of happened. He just is the reason they came back and won. Or they you know they hung and won the game. He went 17 points and three assists in the fourth quarter. He looked unstoppable. Couple couple bad shots in there. Uh, didn't hit everything, but he basically one of the daggers was the step the the side step three that he hit over Collins late um, that. And that was when he was kinda of like just sort of heat checking it. And by the way, a nod to Ian Eagle who called it the electric slide. Because I just oh, did he say Did he oh, say that? I wasn't I wasn't really listening to that. I wasn't really listening to the play. That's that's a great call. I did hear one yeah. thing where he called it the Sham at Sham Wow earlier, which I liked. Um but uh then I kinda of wasn't listening to the the play by play. That's a great yeah, we called it the electric slide, the one that that was the movie he did on Collins. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's like, electric slide for the three.
3: Yeah. I mean, listen, Iron Eagle, one of the best in the business, but of course, uh, but, but you're right though, that, that fourth quarter, he comes into that O of 7 from beyond the arc, finishes 3 of 11, so he goes 3 of 4 in the fourth quarter from deep. You combine that with, and also, like we've said going back to last year, settled in very comfortably to that mid-range game, right? Getting into the lane and finding his spots there to pad out those 17 points uh, gave you another 8 from inside and also got to the, I think he got to the line there maybe, he got to the line there maybe once in the fourth quarter. I don't know if he got there early or not, but but he only went to the line twice, uh, you know, twice in this game or one trip to the line, I should say. So he had to do a lot of his work. And this goes again back into the defensive piece for Atlanta and at least making it difficult for Kyrie throughout this game. And yet this is why he's one of the top, whatever, put, put him in wherever, however you want to rank him. This is why he's one of the better players in the league, because after all of that, three plus quarters of not being able to get a shot to go, he just goes off and completely changes the way the fourth quarter looks.
2: Yeah, and, um, just I was just going through this real quick. Um, I think Durant put up, let's see, fifteen, yeah, fourteen of his own in the fourth quarter. So they combined for it looks like something like thirty-two of the forty-three points uh, in the fourth quarter. I was just kind of yeah. going. Well, this again, this is what this is what you get when you have two of the best no lower than 7 offensive players in basketball on your team. And sometimes it's going to look a little hero ballish and sometimes it's going to look a little iso heavy, my turn your turn. Um and that can be hard to watch sometimes when it's really out of the flow, especially early in games because it's like, you know, some, everyone's trying to get themselves. And I don't think they even really played like this early, but at times, at times the game can sort of bog down. I think it happens a little more with Kyrie than it happens with Durant, but in general, what you want though is that when you get to these late game situations, like sort of end game situations if you can have spacing around these guys and you're just forcing one-on-one defenders first of all you're trying to get yourself into the match if you want and then you're forcing these guys to just you know basically iso d to the top scorers in basketball it becomes a very very difficult proposition and that is what the Hawks sort of ran into late in the game as they continue to run their offense and they look, they put up 37 points in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like they slowed things down, but with Kyrie and KD, we saw that when it, when the going gets tough and this is where it's going to be playoff stuff. When the going gets tough, you can just basically fall back on two guys that almost no defender in the league is going to be able to pick up one-on-one for an entire fourth quarter stretch. If they have a things cooking, right? And that's, that's what you got. And so, and, the, Kyrie basically washed away sort of the, the shooting stink of the first three quarters by taking over the fourth.
3: And then that is, to your point, earlier in the game, when you are struggling, what I like to see Kyrie go really hard into facilitator mode maybe and, and get away from a shot a little bit sure but there's a reason why guys like him do keep shooting because it does come back around so yeah. you, you have to live with that right that's what you're gonna have to live with when you have these guys and, and more often than not by the way it's saying living with it it's more like you're gonna be bathing in it because it's gonna be better more often yeah. than, than it's bad um but yeah so I 100% agree with that the other the quick nod that I will say before we get into because we we started this on coming into this game about the rotation, how you're going to play Spencer dimly. There's another starting rotation piece that I think we want to close on, but a quick nod has to go to Karis Levert as well, who. In 24 minutes, it was, it was a 4-13, 2-6 from beyond the arc. Uh, you know, had the, Only had one turnover, and worth noting that Kyrie Irving only had one turnover in this game as well, so also protected the ball. But eight uh, assists for Karis LeVert. Found Jared Allen a couple of times. Found Torian Prince on a cut. Found Joe Harris. I, I think that that's worth noting as well, that here's a guy who maybe, while Kyrie is struggling early in this one, he might want to put a little extra pressure on himself to be a scorer. He ended up staying in a very balanced mode and ended up giving you a a nice little complimentary line in this game where he's not the first, second, or even third guy that you think of as you work your way through the stat sheet.
2: Yeah, he didn't close. He wasn't in the closing lineup. I thought that was interesting. He comes out with about seven Yeah, This comes out at the 745 mark for Allen, and they close They close with um, Kyrie, KD, Harris, TLC, and Allen. And before we get to Jared Allen, because I think that's what you were kind of nodding that we're going to talk to you about in a second. But uh, I will say one thing. What was interesting about that was Harris comes out. A little surprised that, that that was that this what they closed with. I was actually wasn't sure if that was going to be the plan, or if maybe the plan was to kind of expel him there and then mm. bring him back in, maybe at like the four minute mark. But what ended up happening was TLC ended up actually picking up Trey Young in half court defense and actually kind of held his own. And I think actually that was maybe more than anything the reason that he didn't come in that that uh, that Lavert didn't come back in because TLC was for as good as the Atlanta offense was, he was able to sort of speed bump Trey young, especially in the last three minutes of the game. And I, th- and I'm wondering actually, if that was actually the reason Karras didn't come back in more than anything else was that they're like, okay, we just have this, we have something that's a little bit working on defense here. And we yeah. kind of just probably need to stick with it. And because he was definitely, he, that was definitely his assignment late in the game was to pick up Trey half court, uh, and to sort of like high pressure the ball. So, um, and he was anyway, a plus. Then,
3: uh, he was a plus raptor defensive raptor rating last season. So we know that TLC at least has that potential upside. And that's a good point because maybe it is just a, a little bit quicker, right? He's not, you know, doesn't quite have the same length as as uh, as Lavert may have, but quicker. And when you when you're dealing with Trey Young, a little bit easier to stay in front of him if you if you have TLC there. So what I I'd be very curious to hear if that was intentional, the plan all along, or kind of on the fly. Did this coaching staff see it and say, "Hey, I think we can at least." to your point, speed bump or take advantage of this matchup a little bit more down the stretch.
2: Yeah. And I'm not sure. They'll, they'll probably never admit something like that, but the, um, cause you know, never going to want to say Karis couldn't do it probably, right. but I think they were just getting, they're probably just getting just enough. Let's close this off. Uh, this is going to be our last podcast before the new year. So we'll be back um, you know, next week. We're not going to, we're not going to come out to you new year's day. Uh, we'll be, you know, sleeping, sleeping soundly. in I think <laughs> that that morning, but um. Do you think that this is the last start that DeAndre Jordan gets? Uh, it was so gla- it's been glaring from anybody. Let's let's go into this. And, then, and, and by the way, next week we're going to talk about some Nets New Year's resolutions. We'll get into all that stuff. You know what we're looking forward to in the new year. Um, but do you think? Let's close this out. Do you think this is the last we've seen? Do you think that the the excuses have to be gone at this point about DeAndre Jordan starting, or do you think we still continue to get maybe fifteen minutes worth of lip service that, that way? Hey, look, he was a great sport. We saw him after the game with Jared Allen, right? He, I don't think. This isn't, no, that, yeah. um, this isn't a guy that this isn't a guy that begrudges um, that another guy just came in, played twenty four minutes, went fifteen and thirteen, by the way, <laughs> and was <laughs> the athletic had, showed the athleticism and the ability to just maybe you know maintain some more space in DeAndre. But do you think this is? Do you think this is it? Do you think we kind of just go back to the well? Because look, when you when you start with these guys, you can still win games with DeAndre Jordan at least for now at center.
3: Yeah, I, 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 it should be, right? But it, you know, it, we could have said this for a long time coming, that it should have already been. I think that we've, we've said it now. This is the fourth game of the season. Allen looks like he's he's taking that next little step. He looks a little more physical. It looks like his instincts are a little bit better. He's pairing very well when he flexes across these lines with KD on the floor. So you're seeing that relationship start to develop. Yes, he should be the starter. If you want to keep throwing out DeAndre Jordan to get the ceremonial tip off, I guess that's fine. But but the way that these the minutes broke down, 24 to 15. That's got to be, it, it cannot be a near 50 50 split in terms of minutes between these two guys anymore because. You need to, even in the short term, you can say that's not a big deal. You worry about it down the road. But the big picture is you need Allen and KD and You need all these guys to be in the best possible rhythm for when it comes to the most important part down the season going to the playoffs. So every time that they get on the floor together is going to help them get better and help this team get better. I just, listen, DeAndre Jordan is what he is. Like you said, he's a great teammate. He's a great supporting cast member on this this bench and this roster.
2: Nothing would make me happier than if you came out uh, on Friday night and saw that Jared Allen was starting. It's the same matchup, you know, let's, let's see what happens here because, um, you know, we'll end up talking about it next week, but they, like you said, they, they this is essentially a home-and-home. Home. They Well, it's not a home-and-home because home both games are in Brooklyn. Sometimes home-and-home home means you go back and forth between the two homes. Doesn't matter. Anyway, they play each other. Um, they play each other again Friday. It'll be interesting to see if any adjustments are made um, because it was clear about what was working and what wasn't. So we'll get to see that. I think we'll see, you know, and if nothing else, we'll see most of the starting lineup and hopefully we get another total track meet uh, because that was more than anything else. Basketball is fun. It's fun to watch basketball when the ball goes in. I like. I hate to anyone that wants to sit there and say, you know, the people that say oh, I love a good defensive struggle. I'm like, do you? Uh, do you? <laughs> do, you, do, you <laughs> do you really though? Do you really like the football game? You're like, I love it when it's like 13-10. I'm like, you do? Like, like I don't I go, watch a, I go watch a Pop Warner game that plays at that pace. At like, why? Why would you ever want to watch it? I just don't. When no, it's whatever. fourth quarter with two minutes to go and it's 83-77. Oh my God. I just I, I just I am so jacked up. Yeah, it just feels like something you th- you think you're supposed to say when you don't. Anyway, that was not the case. It was an absolute track meet, light your hair on fire kind of game. Awesome win for the Nets. I was standing for the last like four minutes up by the TV, kind of just doing a little fan. I'm getting I'm, I'm a fan again, buddy. It's been took a couple years. But, there he you is. Know, yeah, it took me a couple years to get back into the fan zone, but uh, I'm not going to homerize this stuff because we'll be plenty critical. But it is fun to cheer for a team, especially when the ball is flying all over the place. Uh, we are going to get out of here. Rating and reviewing the podcast is the number one way you can help us. We really appreciate the nice words we've heard. We appreciate the feedback we've gotten so far since jumping on the network. It's been great being here. It's great to be part of just sort of covering a team that is just one of the most fun teams of basketball. And you can help us continue to stay here by just going, rating and review the podcast, hit that five-star button, maybe leave a nice word or two about what a great guy Adam is. Uh, that uh, he always you know, puts a little wind in his ego mm-hmm. sails. So it you does. just go over there and it's just nice. say, oh, there you go. So rate and review the podcast. <laughs> Much appreciated. You better believe it. And Oh, I've been
3: wandering around, but still I come back to you. In rain or shine, you stood by me. I'm
2: happy at home. You're my best friend. One, Farouk Bulsara. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We will be back again after the new year. Enjoy the holiday, everybody. Talk to you soon.